0: The Daily 202 is sponsored by T. Rowe Price. Check out The Confident Wallet, a personal finance podcast series by T. Rowe Price and The Washington Post Brand Studio. Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Wednesday, March 6th. In today's news, North Korea ramps up its rocket program. The FDA commissioner unexpectedly resigns. And Mike Bloomberg bows out. But first, the big idea. New York state regulators subpoena documents yesterday from the Trump organization's insurance broker after the president's former lawyer, Michael Cohen, testified last week that the president exaggerated his wealth to insurance companies. A spokesman for Aon PLC, Trump's London-based broker, confirmed that the company received a subpoena from New York's Department of Financial Services. That department can refer cases of insurance fraud to other agencies for prosecution. The scope of the inquiry and the department's focus is unclear. Cohen also claimed in private conversations that Trump's representatives raised with him the possibility of a pardon, but the president's allies are insisting on the record that it was Cohen's lawyer who broached the issue first. Cohen also testified last week that Trump ordered him to threaten his high school, colleges, and the college board to never release his grades or SAT scores. My colleague Mark Fisher confirms that this happened, and the New York Times obtained six more of the 11 hush money checks that were sent to Cohen by Trump or his trust during 2017. The dates on the newly available $35,000 checks shed light on the parallel lives Trump was living. The president would host a foreign leader in the Oval Office, then write a check. He haggled over legislation, then wrote a check. He traveled abroad, then wrote a check. The Times says that on the same day Trump reportedly pressured FBI Director Jim Comey to drop the investigation into former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn, the president's trust issued a check to Cohen in furtherance of what federal prosecutors and court documents have called a criminal scheme to violate federal campaign finance laws at the direction of the president. Meanwhile, members of the Trump team are pushing back on mounting congressional probes, Former senior Trump campaign official Michael Caputo announced yesterday that he will not comply with requests from House Democrats. He told my Post colleague Roz Helderman that he has already begun talking with four other Trump associates who received requests from the committee this week to begin a joint strategy of resisting all requests for their testimony. He said answering any questions is a, quote, perjury trap and says Democrats are already determined to impeach the president anyway, regardless of what they find stonewalling, the White House also formally rebuffed a request by House Democrats for documents pertaining to its security clearance process. This increases the chances of a subpoena. In a letter to House Oversight Committee Elijah Cummings, White House Counsel Pat Cipollone rejected the committee's requests and offered instead to have staffers brief the committee. That's insufficient for the newly empowered majority. And it's no surprise the White House doesn't want to turn over documents related to the clearance process. CNN revealed last night that the president pressured his then chief of staff and white house counsel to grant Ivanka Trump a security clearance over the concerns of career professionals. We learned last week that the president also did so for his son-in-law Jared Kushner. Trump pushed John Kelly and Don McGahn to make the decision on his daughter and son-in-law's clearances in a way so that it didn't appear as if he was tainting the process in favor of his family. After both men refused according to CNN, Trump granted them their security clearances anyway. This fresh reporting further challenges the first daughter's adamant denials to ABC News last month that the president had absolutely no involvement with her or her husband's clearances. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, satellite images show that North Korea is rebuilding a rocket launch site days after Trump's failed attempt to strike a deal with Kim Jong-un in Hanoi. The work at the Sohei Satellite Launching Station began sometime between February 16th and March 2nd, according to satellite imagery. This means it started either just before or immediately after the breakdown of a summit meeting between Trump and Kim Jong-un. That was on February 28th. This is North Korea's largest missile engine test site. Work to dismantle it began shortly after denuclearization negotiations with the United States began, but stalled from August of last year. Now they're rebuilding. Number two, FDA Commissioner Scott Gottlieb unexpectedly resigned. He's been commuting weekly to Washington from his home in Connecticut and says he wants to spend more time with his three young daughters. The 46-year-old physician, millionaire, and cancer survivor is known for his self-assured, sometimes brash manner. The resignation was not sought by the White House. A senior White House official says the president liked the FDA chief and doesn't want him to leave. The resignation took senior FDA officials by surprise and came as Gottlieb's signature issue, youth vaping, is being reviewed by the Office of Management and Budget. His plan, which he detailed last fall, would sharply restrict the sale of flavored e-cigarettes to curb a surge in underage vaping. Gottlieb argues that this could lead to a whole new generation addicted to nicotine. In related news, the FDA yesterday officially approved a new antidepressant for those who don't respond to other treatments. It's the first time in decades. The nasal spray, esketamine, has been shown to act within hours as compared to current treatments that take days or even weeks to go into effect. Psychiatrists say this could be a real breakthrough. Number three, former New York Mayor Mike Bloomberg announced that he will not run for president as a Democrat, concluding that his path to the nomination was too narrow and that he can accomplish more as a private citizen. The decision removes from the race one of the world's richest men, a self-described centrist who had the potential to dominate early primary spending and complicate the campaigns of other moderate candidates. Bloomberg advisors tell us that Joe Biden's expected entry into the race was a big factor for the 77-year-old. In place of a presidential bid, Bloomberg committed to funding a new independent political operation with the goal of preventing the re-election of Trump next year. He said he'll spend many millions of dollars on voter targeting and outreach in swing states. The former mayor is worth more than $50 billion from his control of the financial services empire that bears his name. He made the decision on Monday morning in New York after months of overseeing the construction of a campaign infrastructure. He lined up staff, done extensive polling, scoped out Manhattan office space, and even picked the location for his launch. Fellow billionaire Howard Schultz, the former Starbucks CEO who's considering an independent bid for president in 2020, says Bloomberg's decision proves his point that there's little room in today's Democratic Party for moderate candidates. He believes that he will benefit from Bloomberg bowing out. And that's The Daily 202 for Wednesday, March 6th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Hellman. I'll talk to you tomorrow.